Our scripture reading today is from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When was the last time you heard from God? God sham God. You know, the former basketball player for Providence University, <laughs> drafted by the Washington Wizards and spent most of his basketball playing career playing overseas in nations like China, Kuwait, Croatia. Last I heard, he was a player development coach for his alma mater and then was also working in the same role for the Wash or not the Washington Wizards, for the Dallas Mavericks of the NBA. Oh, you know what? I can see. <laughs> you were thinking about another God, right? God Almighty, the creator of the universe. That God. You know, I was wondering, like, should I put a picture of God Sham God on the screen? There actually is a person named God Sham God. I can see why you might be expecting me to talk about, you know, the other God, right, this morning. But these days, it does seem more likely for us to hear a word from God Sham God than from God, the creator of the universe. Still, there are stories of people who do. One author I read, Liz Coolidge Jenkins, describes praying in her, her dorm room one day, kneeling at her bed with her eyes closed and seeing across her eyelids two words, clearly from God. Another Hall of Fame boxer, Andre Ward, described in his biography 
that he has never ceased to amaze me, he says, throughout his career and personal life, how God speaks to me and leads me. He says it's not an audible voice, but a feeling deep in my spirit, and I know that God is leading me in a certain direction. Finally, there's the famous John Wesley, which we all know. The story is told that he meditated one day in church next to some stained glass windows, trying to decide whether he was going to board a ship to come to colonial America. Ultimately, he felt like God was speaking to him to go. These stories seem amazing and fantastical to us, perhaps, because of how rare they are in our modern world. It's like someone winning the Powerball jackpot or being struck by lightning. We know that each is theoretically possible. We just don't expect either one to happen to us. Nor do we expect to hear from God. The rise of secularism in America is no secret to anyone. Over the last few decades, religion has been largely delegated to the private sphere. And its influence over society at large has been greatly diminished. We need to only look at the overall decline in church attendance in America as one obvious example. But as the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor has written, our so-called secular age is more than just a diminishment in church attendance and religious influence. Taylor posits that in our time we live in what he calls an imminent frame meaning that because of the ascension of science and reason as ultimate values, humanity essentially lives in a closed world with humans acting as if only what we can see and touch and taste and prove actually exists. Religious, religious faith, Christianity even then, is turned into something private and personal that has little to no impact on our daily lives or on our world at large. Sure, we might go to church for community and camaraderie and good feelings, but for modern society, vast majority of modern society has disrupted us of the notion that we can actually experience and hear from God. In short, this idea, this imminent frame in our modern society has robbed us of a God who is God, says theologian Andrew Root. God becomes our token, our mascot, our thing, but only on our terms, on our agenda. Meaning we can shape how God influences us, how we let God influence us, but not the other way around. Therefore, we can go days, weeks, even years without hearing from God. And as much as we might find ourselves alone in such a predicament unique in our inability to hear from God or even expect to hear from God. The Bible speaks of a time and place in which hearing from God was also strange and elusive. In the Old Testament book of Samuel, conveniently named after the protagonist, Samuel, we find the story of the title character, including his childhood, birth, and rise to fame. 
Now, for those who don't know the story of Samuel, it's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. So Samuel's mother was named Hannah. I can't remember the dad's name. Elkni? Something like that. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Samuel Sr., right? I'm going to miss Steve. What a good, like, what a good choir director, isn't he? So Samuel's mother, Hannah, was barren, unable to conceive children, and like many want to be mothers, was really desperately wanting to have a child. So one day, in her desperation and emotion, she goes to the temple to pray. And think about this, like, prayer was apparently so rare and so unexpected that she's She's on the steps of the temple, praying emotionally out loud, and Eli, the head priest, looks at her and says, Lady, are you drunk? I mean, that's, that's, that's bad, right? That's, that's not good. That's uh, not a good summary of, like, religion in that time period, right? So Eli says to her, Your faith, you're going to have a child. So Hannah, in her gratefulness and gratitude, she said, I'm going to dedicate this child to the Lord, to God. So what happens is she raises Samuel, you know, as a baby. And when he's old enough, Samuel goes to live and serve in the temple with Eli, like we just read. So in chapter 3, we find ourselves right in the middle of the action, and Samuel is perhaps... I don't know, an elementary age boy living in the temple, serving alongside the priest Eli. But also intriguing is that word or that sentence that Shelley read. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. So again, we kind of we just heard this story, right? I don't know, like, what's their bedtime routine, right? I, I imagine Samuel at this age, right, he's probably pretty good at, like, showering for himself, getting his jammies on. Samuel maybe reads him a good night story. Okay, go to bed now, Samuel. Or, I'm sorry, Eli. I mean, probably not reads him because he can't see. He tells him a good night story. Samuel goes to bed. Samuel's laying there trying to fall asleep, and he hears, Samuel... Samuel, it's like a good, good, good child and good servant of the Lord, right? Samuel gets up, puts on his slippers. I don't know, do they have like, do you think they have temple robes? Yeah, yeah. Paddles down, says, hey Eli, what's up? Eli's like, I don't know, go back to bed. Same thing happens, second time. Samuel, Samuel. Same thing. Samuel gets up, goes down. Eli, what's up? Nothing. Happens a third time. Samuel, the Lord calls. Samuel get up, gets up, walks down to Eli and says, What's going on? I'm here. Finally, Eli gets clued in and realizes it's the Lord, God, calling the boy. So Eli tells Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went down and lay down in his place. 
And the Lord came calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Remember these words from Samuel. Here I am. Speak, your servant is listening. I find such intriguing parallels between Samuel's day and our own time and day. In Samuel's day and our own, the word of the Lord is rare. There are not many visions. In Samuel's day and our own, God may be speaking to us, but we would not recognize it. In Samuel's day and our own, we do not know how to discern God's voice from another. Yet how do we hear from this God we cannot understand, nor recognize this voice that which we cannot discern? To quote again from theologian Andrew Root, Worship and prayer are not magic. They do not summon God. Instead, he says, to find God begins with the confession that we have no way of knowing this God, and only in confessing this, and only in confessing that we have no way of knowing this God are we assured that we seek God and not just our own echo. Because as the great theologian Karl Barth has written, one cannot speak of God by speaking of humanity in a loud voice. Yet in our modern society, we are too busy and too loud to hear from God. We are too busy with our own engagements and activities to have time to even slow down to make space for hearing from God. Too loud talking about ourselves and our efforts, no matter how good these efforts may be, and all our busyness, all our talking, dulls our ears to the still, small voice of God seeking to speak to us. Basically, we've constructed such a world that even if God screamed at us through a bullhorn, we would be unable to hear amidst the clutter and chaos of our own daily lives. So how do we hear from God? How can we hear what God might be trying to say to us? A few weeks ago, I was doing a training on communication and listening. Now, to be clear, this was, a, uh, this was not a religiously-themed training. It was, uh, it was appropriate for me as a, in my role as a social worker, training me how to better improve my listening and communication skills with my clients. Even still, I found the material appropriate for our context. The training listed three barriers to listening. Information overload, preoccupations, physical barriers. Information overload is simply, we can understand this, being bombarded by so many messages that we cannot interpret or attend to them all. Preoccupations is personal concerns that can prevent us from paying attention, and physical barriers can simply be being distracted by a crowded or noisy room, making it difficult to listen. On how to listen, communication scholar Julia Wood notes that the first step in attentive listening is intent. Intent to listen. Making the decision to be fully present in the moment. 
With that, she offers three steps to effective listening. She says, focus on hearing, choose in a time and a place, and open the door. So focus on hearing. There are so many voices and noises, she says, that we need to discern and focus on which voice we're trying to hear. Choosing a time and a place. That's pretty simple right there. And finally, opening the door, inviting the other person to talk. I think we can all understand how these distractions that interrupt our daily communications can also affect our ability to hear from God. And I think we can all understand how these tips on listening can also be helpful when seeking to hear from God. First, we need to simply acknowledge that God is here and has something to say to us. God, here I am. Our lives might be so busy and chaotic that unlike Samuel, we cannot even hear a voice speaking to us amidst the din of schedules and social media and social expectations. Rather than us hearing a voice speaking to us and responding like Samuel, we might need to instead say, God, here I am, opening the door. God, I am listening. God, I want to hear what you might have to say to me. And this is why church matters so much. It's the time and the place. The time and the place we can make space to try to hear from God. Because we live in this aforementioned secular age, this boxed-in, imminent frame, where most everyone around us acts as if there is no God, nor would God have anything to say to us, we need to be intentional about seeking out time and places and spaces where we know that other people have heard from God. Church. I can tell you, how long has this church been here? 120 years? Thereabouts? This is a place where people have heard from God. Again, I think back to John Wesley. When seeking to discern God's will, he came to church to pray. Think back to the authors I previously mentioned, Liz Coolidge Jenkins and Andre Ward. Both intentionally spent time in prayer and devotion seeking to hear from God. Prayer and time and devotion are not ultimately about boosting our spiritual lives or well-being, although those are added benefits. We seek God. We come to church and pray because we seek to have a fresh encounter with God, the creator of the universe. And in Samuel's time and in our very own time when the word of the Lord is so rare, we must be intentional about seeking God's voice lest we go weeks, months, even years without hearing a word of the Lord for ourselves. And our faith becomes simply reduced to a slogan or hobby. And sure, expecting to hear from God might be a little weird, right? But in the end, thinking as if we're alone in the universe with only what we can taste and touch and see and prove might seem safe and simple, but I think in the end is actually covering up a horrifying reality. So a few months ago, I began listening to a Christian podcast on horror. Now, I did this really because I wanted to try to understand and let's be honest, try to prove wrong why Reverend Sandy would be so interested in horror. 
Sadly, I did not get the ammunition I needed <laughs> to prove her wrong. And in one of the episodes, the podcast host discussed the movie Alien, which I have certainly not seen. So I'm only going on the podcast word of mouth. But the podcast host talked about in the movie the underlying theme of horror in that movie is that essentially the fear of every human being is that we are alone and on our own in the universe. And when the awful, terrible monsters of life come seeking to destroy and devour us, our cries for help simply melt away into a cold, lifeless, loveless, empty abyss of our universe. The horror that we are indeed alone and unloved. Conversely, there is also another, although less likely to be made into a horror movie scenario. That there is indeed an all-present and all-loving divine being in the universe who seeks to be in loving relationship with us all and seeks to communicate with us. In which scenario would you rather exist? Living as if the universe is cold and lifeless and uncaring, or living as if the God of the universe is deeply in love with us and has a message for us? That's faith. Yet in our modern society, it can be so hard to live this way, and it can be so hard to listen. We have to try extra hard and listen in unexpected ways. A few weeks back, I was at McDonald's with Jackson. I knew I had to put in like a McDonald's story for y'all my last sermon. I dropped Karina and Lexi off at an event and was killing time before taking Jackson to this playground. So we went to McDonald's to grab a bite to eat. We sat down with our order, and this old gentleman, I think he said he was 90, year old, 90, years old, 90 years old, came over and said, oh, it's so wonderful to see a father out with his son. Now, for those who don't know, my full-time job now is working with aging adults, senior citizens, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. So don't tell this to my boss, but I, did, I wasn't, I could see where this guy was going, right? Trying to stir up conversation. And again, being that I'm an introvert and don't necessarily like go out of my way to have conversations, especially with strangers who I don't know, who kind of remind me of my work. I wasn't necessarily like thrilled about having this conversation with him that I could see was coming. But I felt this small, still voice inside me. And the gentleman got his food and he came over and he said, hey, can I sit next to you? And he sat at the table right next to us. And it was, I think it was around December, so I spoke to him. I said about, do you remember Pearl Harbor and how old were you for that and what do you remember? And I can't remember the exact moment or what was in the conversation, but at one point he shared with me about, he said, how important family is. And you could see him holding back tears as he paused and held his emotions 
And it was, for me at least, in that moment, and I imagine for him, a sacred moment. One that I was grateful to partake in because I had begrudgingly at least listened to what I believe was the voice of God speaking to me. You know, the testimony of this church, the testimony of the Methodist tradition, the testimony of our scriptures, is that God does indeed speak to humanity. My prayer for you, my prayer for this church, my prayer for myself is that our words will ever be, here I am, Lord, speak, your servant is listening.